Okay, good morning, everybody. Bill Lester here with Hernando County Extension Service, and welcome to this morning's virtual plant clinic. Today, it's just myself and Lily Browning, our Hernando County Florida Friendly Landscape Coordinator, and my regular co-host. Good morning, Bill. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you doing? I'm good. Yesterday, we had an unusual event. Um, we saw each other IRL. <laughs> In yes. real life, yes. In person. Yes, it's unusual. You have legs. <laughs> yeah, and I was thinking that was the first, about one of the first in-person meetings I've had to go to in over a year. Mm. So it was yeah, a little. I've had a, a couple. Yeah, we're slowly branching out, inching forward. So. And I was asked yesterday by a gentleman who's one of our office regulars who lives in Hernando Beach, and he came in with a, a weed that he has in his lawn, asking how you know what he could do to get rid of it. And he asked if we we're going to go back to in-person classes at the office because he always enjoyed coming by for those and this, the whole social interaction thing. I said, yeah, we're probably going to do a couple workshops a year, not as many in-person classes as we used to do because i mean we've just been so successful with doing the virtual online things it's very very convenient for a lot of people right i'm going to um start having well i already have started having um outdoor rain barrel workshops up at chinsegat conservation center once a month which has been i mean they're small but it's a pretty good success and we're outdoors in the pole barn so it feels pretty safe um so we're inching forward that way, but I'm looking forward to more in person, but no, we're certainly not giving up virtual because the convenience for people and the amount of people we can reach and, you know, that I think we've learned a lot of things in this past year mm -hmm. and both you and I have been just been busy, busy, busy and, um, and it is easier to do this virtually um, because you don't have to worry about scheduling a room and you know all the other logistics so and also both of them have their merits and we're going to try to keep both of them going as much as possible and doing things this way is so easily recorded for yes. example what we're doing right now is going to be recorded and it's going to be a video on youtube it's on Facebook Live at the moment, so it's saved on Facebook. People can watch it later on, or if they're busy at work right now, this evening they can click on it and watch it. Um, all of our Zoom classes we record, we put those on Hernando County Government's YouTube channel, our YouTube channel, Facebook, Lily's Facebook, we can put it everywhere, and people can watch it afterwards. And if they're not free, you know, at 10 a.m. on a Thursday morning, they don't have to miss out on the information. And just like anybody else with a job, we do have to uh, justify our existence <laughs> and we have to, um, you know, provide reports as to what we're doing. So both of us can say uh, the, the numbers of contacts have just not, I mean, even more than quadrupled um, from when we were only doing in person to where we were only doing virtual, so now we'll move forward to doing both. So I think it's great, and we can reach um, Austin in uh, 
Wisconsin. <laughs> we can reach our friends in Broward County, mm -hmm. as well as um, if you know you're in a work situation where you can put on your headphones and listen and still work, or you know, however, or catch us, like you said, by recording. Catch us when it's convenient to do so. Exactly, and you know these recordings are all saved as a podcast, also. They're podcast stars too. Yes, wow. they are. <laughs> I always wanted my own podcast. <laughs> there you go. Well, you've got a broadcaster voice, so you're made for it. I try. I'm going to have to break out the good microphone and get it hooked up and start using it. See if it makes a difference. Well, I have a plant question for you. Yes. Um, well, here's the story, and it, it, it's it's associated with uh, COVID. The <laughs> <laughs> plant doesn't have COVID, but it is a victim of it <laughs> indirectly. Um, you know, I was sent to work from home, and there was a parlor palm here at the office that was under my care. Well, in hindsight, which is 2020, ha, 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 um, <laughs> I should have taken it home with me, <laughs> but, yeah. you know, um, it wasn't clear who should take care of it, so basically neglected, and it's really on its last frond, um, <laughs> so yeah. I did put it in intensive care. It hadn't been being watered, was its major problem and it was yeah tough. that'll do it it was on a um um like a balcony so it was except in the winter it was drug in in the winter but i was on a balcony and um so it was you know kind of outside but it was during those hot april and may when there was no humidity which the parlor palms do like the humidity so i played a little with its soil I mean, I'm talking so dry, like clumps like a dry riverbed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I added more soil to the pot and then even got some nice parlor palm soil. And somebody had some old coffee, so I even threw some of that in there just for the heck of it, which, uh -huh. which has caused me to make sure I keep it outside in the shade because that was creating messes. Um, so my question is, what happens is fronds start to grow, they get to a certain point and they turn yellow and fall. And then it still puts out a little new, few new shoots. I know it's it's undergoing some trauma right now from just being moved and everything I did to it. But what is your suggest, suggestions to try and bring it back to life? It has one little new shoot trying. Palm fertilizer. Okay. If you want, I have some, I'll give you a, you know, a handful in the baggie because obviously a parlor palm is not going to need a whole lot of fertilizer, but just very, very light fertilizer every month or so. That's what I recommend for people outdoors. Very, very lightly, but okay. pretty frequently. I was wondering because it was so stressed whether fertilizer was a good idea or not. Well, once you've got it rewatered and in a good position, you know, a good not full sun, indirect okay. sun, bright light kind of situation, and you're watering it again, it'll start to recover. And when it starts trying to grow, that's when it's going to need the fertilizer and the nutrients. 
to create the green, healthy leaves with no nutrient deficiencies. I did tell my boss I may bring it back looking absolutely fantastic. It'll be an incredible miracle. And she answered me, it's not a goldfish. I can't go buy a new one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you definitely need some before pictures and then get yeah. some after pictures. And... Yeah, poor thing. And yeah. what's embarrassing is we, you know, uh, water conservation bought uh, several for our grand opening here in this building six years ago. And yeah. they, um, there's at least two others under other people's care. <laughs> they look great. <laughs> and we're the planet people. Yeah. Mom is dying. So, so this can happen to everybody. <laughs> well, I know when we cleared out of the office for COVID, I think Ashley scooped up most of the plants and took them home. Okay. And so they're being cared for. I have no idea what they look like, but mm -hmm. Teresa and her took care of the plants. We do have one plant in the office that Teresa is in charge of. She doesn't care for it and she doesn't care for it on purpose because it is a huge, beautiful air potato vine. Oh. We can literally run strings across the walls and the ceilings and start just running a whole canopy. I'm in the room. sure you could, yes. So you're growing it for what purpose? Uh, to show just how neglected they can be and still grow very, very well. It looks perfectly healthy, perfectly beautiful, perfect green leaves, really, really large leaves. Um, it's kind of up in the corner, so it doesn't get a whole lot of light, but air potato vine, it doesn't care. If full sun, no sun, paper bag, no water, it's going to grow. I've told you, I think, um, when I used to work for Extension, we would have those uh, air potato roundups. And we had a few of the tubers that someone had in a, you know, just a plastic Walmart bag or whatever, and it got thrown in a corner and not paid attention to for about six months, and I picked it up these tubers in a plastic bag in a corner no water no light except you know daylight you know through the bag or whatever it was sprouting mm -hmm. oh yeah. uh the one that i actually have in my yard that was brought in through contaminated compost um that is growing that comes up behind the air conditioner uh unit is starting to come up again this year mm-hmm I let it go for research. There you go. <laughs> Just make sure. Last year, last year, I found a great big, um, do you know the leopard moth caterpillars? They look mm -hmm. like woolly bear caterpillars, but they have the red stripes on them. I got a caterpillar on there chomping away, ate like two or three leaves and then left. Mm. There are some random caterpillars that will feed on it, but they don't stay and keep feeding on it. Like the um, air potato beetles. Yeah, the air potato beetles and only eat it. 82 and sunny in Tallahassee. Let's take a ride, Bill. Yeah, 82 and sunny in Tallahassee. Good we morning, buddy. How are in, you? We'll be there in and three hours. 90 and sunny in Green Bay. There's something <laughs> there. Yeah, buddy, we'll be there in three hours. Make sure it stays there, 82. <laughs> so, see, we have a national podcast now. Yes, we do. Mm -hmm. National show. So if anybody has any questions, go ahead and put them in the chat. 
any lawn and garden or avocado or coconut palm questions you know what i have Bill? what's that i have a green lawn isn't that incredible so do i i just had to cut my front yard early this morning and i mean early <laughs> ours is in need of it especially over the septic tank and there's bahia grass popping up with its seed heads so i still have some left i can oh, tell I my bahia my bahia really came back and you can stand here and see the patches of bahia really stands out yep but mine is nice and green now and you know my green freedom lawn <laughs> diverse lawn area but whatever it is it's green in there and um everyone was so 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 worried that their lawns were gonna die because we weren't getting any rain and they had to cheat on the watering restrictions and yeah we've, we've done nothing and our lawns came back just with a little bit of rain now maybe now, all of a sudden we're having to recommend to people to check those irrigation systems and shut them off right we start getting regular rain you don't need to run your irrigation on top of it that's what people forget and i had a discussion with um a lady yesterday um and you know had to mention to her because she says she the irrigation company set her system at a certain amount and uh some amount of time per zone and told her never to touch it and uh it's you know going off the once a week that it's supposed to but the reason i was speaking to her you know from the water department is because she's unhappy with her bill and she's i looked and she's using about twenty-five thousand gallons of water a month well this is one you know up in age widow all by herself she's not using if she turned her irrigation system off i would guess she'd be using way less than under five thousand just to wash her own dishes take a shower cook for mm -hmm. herself so the entirety nearly of all that water use is from an irrigation system so you know tried to talk to her about when the rains start you can turn that off because you need a certain amount for your saint augustine your floritam lawn but if nature provides that you don't have to add to it and people don't seem to get that through their heads yeah, I have to tell people, you know, you're trying to grow St. Augustine or Bahia turf. You're not growing rice. It doesn't need 10 inches of water a week. <laughs> so if we're getting a couple inches of water, because these sudden rains will dump one, two or more inches very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. So you don't need to add to that with your irrigation. If we're getting regular rain, it's time to seriously think about shutting the irrigation off. Right. Absolutely or at least get a rain gauge that functions Bill exactly. and I have, we've been out to places and we've seen rain gauges sideways upside down not connected never connected so. good morning cindy how are you and austin way up there in green bay says his tomatoes are loving the heat my tomatoes are just about to finish up right now i'm getting the big final flush of tomatoes the banana peppers are doing great i've got a ton of those 
I grew the um, the little skinny uh, white eggplants, mm -hmm. and they're doing great this year. I'm going to get a ton of those also, and jalapeno peppers. But I know that here in Central Florida, my tomatoes are going to finish up. Let's see, this is June 10th. Yeah, about a week or so, because a few more of those late in the day rains. I'm going to walk out there one morning, and they will be eaten up with fungal leaf spot. I'm already getting leaf-footed bugs and leaf-footed bug nymphs on them. So I know that my tomato crop, its days are numbered here. But up north, they're just getting the little plants are just now growing. They're not right. even getting tomatoes yet. Yep, and a lot of people move here, and we have a lot of people now moving down from up north, and they're still in their northern brain, like, this is the time tomatoes should really be getting started. No, nope. this is the time that they're ending because yeah. many, many, many things. We, we like to have the summer rains. We were dying for the summer rains, but you know, now the humidity comes and you know that humidity as soon as you walk out the door and you can feel it. It was hot before. Now it's the smothering humidity and a lot of those vegetables, they're just not going to do well. What are the vegetables you can grow in the summer, Dr. Lester? The main ones are going to be okra because okra is tropical. It doesn't mind the heat. It does best in the heat of summer. You can plant okra right now. Sweet potatoes. You can plant sweet potatoes right now. They're tropical also. They don't mind the heat. You can plant Seminole pumpkins because they're tropical somewhat tropical they're gonna do well in the summer heat and there's a number of other things that are kind of specialty items in south and central american cuisine um let me think of a few uh bony different root crops boniato um what's the one squash i know that we talked about it uh chayote squash Calab oh, about what about Calab calabasa calabasa yeah but even calabasa, it's a pumpkin. It's uh, also called Cuban pumpkin because it's very, very important and popular in Cuban and Spanish cuisine. Even it is normally planted a little bit earlier, more in the spring when you're planting all the other winter squashes because okay. most of them are spring and fall. There's very few things that are heat, you know, high summer, you know, heat loving things. Different, th different crops that may grow in South and Central America are going to be able to tolerate the heat in our summer. Black eyed peas. Black eyed peas is another one. They don't mind the heat. Right. Boy, if you grow black eyed peas, you will see more aphids than you have ever seen in your life. It's like it just puts out the dinner bell for every aphid in the county to come to your backyard. So they what should you do about that? Spray with insecticidal soap or keep your eyes open. If lady, if you have a lot of ladybugs on there feeding, you can wait and hopefully the ladybugs are going to get them under control. But if you see tons of aphids and nothing eating them, uh, insecticidal soap is all you need to knock them back. I saw an, an interesting post from um, Frank in Pasco County where he was showing how very similar um, a mealybug and a ladybug uh, larvae look and one of the other names for this this type of ladybug larvae is 
mealybug destroyer. Yep. So you may freak out if you see something you think is an enemy and be killing, you know, one of your allies who is going to help you tremendously. So if you. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a native ladybug. Yeah. But it doesn't look like a ladybug. It's not, you know, orange with the black spots. It's all black with a little bit of red markings on its thorax, head or thorax okay. right between the two. We have a question. Carl sent, if I can get the right one there, a picture. A picture of his rose that has some spots on it. Uh-huh. Yes, yes, it does. <laughs> and yes, it will. Yes, it will. Uh, Carl, if you live in Central Florida, roses generally don't do really well here. You can grow them, but you're going to have to put a lot of insecticides and a lot of fungicides on them because they do great in the early spring, late fall, and winter, and they look good. They're generally going to flower and look okay. But starting now, going all the way from now through about Halloween, they are just going to get pounded with fungal leaf spots, insect problems. You're going to have a lot of spider mites. It's, you know, spider mites, a lot of times you'll find on roses. So what's on this picture is a fungal leaf spot. And if it's a rose, you're definitely going to have to use a fungicide on it on a regular basis all summer long to avoid losing a ton of leaves to fungi. Now, some of the older type roses, you know, old climbing roses, what they call cracker roses. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they're usually okay. Um, and we even do have native swamp roses here, but they don't transfer well to the landscape. And, of course, the older and more native you get, you know, the more thorny, the more um, wild looking, you know, obviously that they are. But any of your hybrids, tea roses, Mr. Lincolns, any of that, I always, what I say is, you, like you said, you can have roses here, but it has to be your hobby that you are yes. willing to spend every day with and a lot of uh, chemicals and money. You know, that, that's the sad truth of roses in Florida, especially through the summer months. Yeah, and some of those cracker roses and uh, the different southern roses do well. They're not really all that, well, I don't know. They are popular with some people. They tend to get very large and viney. They have small roses. Yeah. So the traditional, like, David Austin tea roses and the named varieties that grow really well for generations up north don't do well here. They tend to be short-lived. Um Scott Taylor, who works at our office, grows roses, and he says if he gets a bush to last four or five years, he's thrilled. He's very, very happy. Did he go back to um, his rose hobby at his new house? He's still doing that? He hasn't mentioned. I'm sure he has at least a rose. He yes, yes. But he's actually the one where I've learned about all this kind of, you know, um, rose growing. And it was, maybe still is his absolute hobby and he spent every day at it. And yeah, you're putting yep. fungicides down all the time. Yeah. And spraying insecticides weekly. 
you you get thrips, you get spider mites, you'll have all kinds of different problems with them. I have an old climbing type rose, an old cracker rose, some with little white flowers blowing mm -hmm. growing on some lattice around my well. <laughs> but it was finally getting to the point where, you know, it was breaking the lattice. It was getting so thick and it was just really leggy. And my husband mentioned he might be replacing that lattice anyway. So what I did was I just cut it down. I didn't take it out. I cut it down to almost nothing and pulled everything out. And there's a spring still, you know, trying to come up. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can cut them back pretty severely, and if it's otherwise healthy, it's going to grow back from the roots. Yeah. So, if anybody else has any questions, you can go ahead and put them in the chat. You can shoot me an email. Let me check here. We got Carl's picture. Don't see anything else at the moment. You know what? Aside from um, all that lovely green grass in my lawn that's growing, mm -hmm. um, in my plant beds, all the weeds just popped right on up. <laughs> and it's funny because I don't mind some of the weeds in my lawn. I'm the opposite of a lot of people. I get mad at, at the weeds, especially that wild Bermuda grass in my plant bed. I have patches in my lawn, which is fine. I have a, what is it, mixed? Diverse lawn area. I have a very diverse lawn area, front and back. So I do have Bermuda out there. I have big patches of the turkey tangle fog fruit or whatever common name you want to call it by. Uh, I have torpedo grass in some of the landscape beds up in the rocks. That's a little tough to deal with. Got to get out there and pull it off. Something I'm going to have to do soon and something I had to learn because I'm trying to have a like a wildflower garden. And um, I added too much mulch, which, you know, mulch is one of our principles. But oh, I also have in there... Um, sunshine mimosa um what is it uh mimosa strigulosa and yeah. it's um like a ground cover that uh it's not it's not like the invasive mimosa tree it is a native that has little pink pom-poms and a ground cover and like a you know like a touch me not kind of you know leaves that actually do close up certain times of the day but I was, you know, really nursing them along, and I realized, and with our native plant experts' help, <laughs> who got the plants for me, realized um, that grows along the ground. So all the, especially the big pine mulch that I had was actually inhibiting its growth. And then I have read since then that a lot of uh, wildflowers, whether native or not, um, they do prefer more sandy open soil. So even though we want the bed to look nice, we think mulch kind of dresses it up and it mulch does have a lot of good attributes, but in a wildflower situation, I'm going to either going to have to change to my really fine composted mulch and get those and get that big chunky mulch out of there or even just do without it and try and separate the weeds from the wildflowers. 
So yeah, that, that could be difficult because some plants like um, dune sunflower and gyardia and salvias, each one of those little flowers makes tons of seeds and they drop seeds all over. Mm -hmm. And if you want free plants, just grow a few of them and wait and you'll have little baby ones popping up all over the place. But if everything is mulched pretty heavily, that stops the seeds from, you know, right. getting to the soil and germinating and coming up. So it's kind so, of. So now I'm actually going to have to spend the weekend kind of gently raking the mulch out uh -huh. of that bed to let the wildflowers and that um, sunshine mimosa do their thing more naturally. But it's not that cool, so I'll jump in the pool when I'm hot. <laughs> there you go. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm to that time of year also. Yes. Let me put a little word of warning out there because we've gotten a number of questions this past week, a lot of walk-ins with this situation. And this applies to Central Florida. So if you're somewhere else in the country, it probably applies, but probably just a different time of year. But here in Central Florida, we've had a lot of people coming in, bringing in little samples of weeds. They say that this weed or that weed or whatever is in my lawn. What do I put down to control it? Mm -hmm. And when I see something like that, I don't need to know the name or the species of the weed. I just need to know, is it a grassy weed or a broadleaf weed? Broadleaf weeds are very easy to kill in your lawn because a broadleaf plant and your grass, your St. Augustine grass, are very different plants biochemically. If you have a grassy weed growing in your grassy lawn, it's really hard to find a product that's going to kill grass aid crabgrass or tropical signal grass or something else that you don't want that's growing in the desirable grass. So you're going to have very, very limited options, but it is starting to warm up out there and pretty much all homeowner available herbicides or weed killers that you put down to your lawn have temperature restrictions on them. If you read the fine print on that label, and hopefully everybody reads the label before they start putting stuff down, it says don't use this product when the average temperature is above 85, 87, 90, whatever it may be for that product. And we're getting close to that. So if you put down weed killers in your lawn in the heat of summer, and you don't have to do it at high noon, even if you put it down early in the morning or late in the day, it may be too hot a few hours later and may actually kill your lawn or at least part of your lawn. Every summer, and Lily, I'm sure you've heard from people too, they'll come in like, oh my gosh, I sprayed for weeds in my yard in the middle of, and it's like right after 4th of July, and my whole lawn died, what happened? You shouldn't have done it, it was too hot, because when it gets too hot, those chemicals kill the weeds and your grass also. So you wanna be very, very careful with that. Your time for weed control is just about over for the summer yeah, unless you're just when you're getting past um your lawn being too dry now that uh -huh. it might be too dry then you'll have the weed issues neither one of us live in a, a deed restricted community so if i put a weed killer on my lawn <laughs> i wouldn't have a lawn so you know. i'd be half bare dirt and yeah. i would be getting yelled at because my wife says she doesn't want to see any bare dirt if it's covered with something green, she says, I, I don't know what it is. If it's yeah. covered with something green, she's happy. She doesn't want to see bare dirt. Mm -hmm. There you go. That's pretty easy. 
and the rain brought all that right back. And I did um, throw out some like black cow type of compost over the weekend. <laughs> I didn't. Oh, <laughs> I didn't. Best thing you could do for your lawn. Yes. I didn't. I better make that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we, the royal we, put out this black cow um, like a compost, and that doesn't fall under the fertilizer um, ordinance at all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's really helping the weeds that are there now. <laughs> and I'm getting, um, I already got some bahia seed. You said I might not be able to find it. Amazon, Amazon has everything, but it was, but I only got 10 pounds and it was $70. So yeah, it's, yeah, really, yeah, it's, very it's, it's up there. So we're going to put that out when we know the rains are coming every day, you know, mixed in with that little bit of, um, you know, cow composted manure stuff and it should really help bring it back. Having said that, when I overseed my lawn, that does not entitle me to watering any more often um, via the Hernando County watering rules, which is why I mentioned when I'm sure it's raining every day. Um, I've got a lot of phone calls from people saying, well, they were, uh, somebody put a information on their door, which means you're lucky. Um, <laughs> or maybe they were cited, which means you're not lucky and they're trying to grow in this grass seed. The way our rules work and the way the water management district rules work is that unless you are down to absolutely nothing in your whole yard, just bare dirt, and then put the seed in, um, which is probably not something Dr. Lester would recommend to begin with, but that's, that's the only that's way really you would to water it in every day, just overseeding or trying to do bare patches. If you're trying to do bare patches, you're allowed to hand water it with the hose. Um, or if you have what they call hot spots, you can put a targeted means, which means that old fashioned hose and sprinkler or your hands. Um, but overseeding, which is what I'm going to do, does not qualify you to water anymore. And I don't even have an irrigation system anyway, so I'm waiting for the rains and hoping that it'll just, you know, nature will help fluff out my lawn, I guess is a good way to put it. And since my husband will be retiring in a few weeks, we can fluff it out so that he has the time to mow it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, but, oh, speaking of which, look what I brought with me. <laughs> today there you go watering days and this is for hernando county yes but if you live in florida most counties fall under some kind of watering restrictions they do so you can't just water all day every day any day that you want to do certain days you have to do it within certain hours to so check in your county but if you live in hernando county uh let's see my address ends in a five so my day is wednesday and I can water after six or before eight in the morning, not both. I got to pick one or the other once a week and then I won't get in trouble. Yes, exactly. And what's been happening, why people are calling me is we have, um, 
empowered, if that's the right word, um, some of our people who are out and about to go and have conversations with people and to give them, you know, some kind of door hanger. What we're doing is we're trying to educate you and save you <laughs> from code enforcement who will be coming with a fine. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, don't get upset if your meter man or someone wants to have a conversation with you to educate you because, you know, code enforcement, they catch you watering at the wrong time, you get a fine. The first one isn't that high, but I think it goes from $100 to $500, boom, boom, like that, you know. And um, eventually, if you keep um, being a violator, you may end up in front of a special magistrate. Those are, you know, how the rules go. So when people ask me, well, my HOA is on my back, you know, and they have their fines too, it is a very difficult situation. <laughs> and I wish I had a better answer. I've been improving a lot of people's spiritual lives with these conversations that we've been having because I've been telling them, you know, speak to whichever entity you choose about rain. <laughs> so um, hopefully in the future, you know, in different organizations and things that Bill and I work with, you know, eventually some of these HOAs are going to realize how unreasonable they're being and how we might need to change direction. Yeah. And like in the meeting I was involved in yesterday, they need to basically have a paradigm shift. They have to look at things differently because it's not like the rules are going to get looser. The rules are only going to get stricter. More people are going to move to Florida. There's only going to be more demand for water. So you need to start planning and moving towards a much, a landscape that needs less water as opposed to one that needs more water. Because if you plan on one that needs more water, you're only going to have problems as we move forward. Okay. We haven't gone through a proper drought in how many years? How long has it been? Well, this is 04. Yeah. Yeah. So we're due. It happens every couple of years and it's been happening for millions of years and it's going to happen for millions more probably. So. And Joelle has a question. Yes, she uh, does about watering restrictions. They're just, they're for, just lawns. for lawns. What about gardens, Lily? You may water your vegetable garden. This is just for an automatic irrigation system on your lawn. You may water your um, vegetable gardens are exempt. From it. Also, um, if you have landscape plants, first of all, Bill, I will tell you if they're more than two years old, they don't need to be on any irrigation system. They can survive yeah. natural rainfall. But if you install a micro irrigation system, they do not fall under the watering ordinance, nor do um, soaker hoses. But I must warn you, neither one of those things save water. They save water compared to a traditional irrigation system, but they're designed to use water. <laughs> so if you put them on and forget them, you may not be happy with the bill you get and you may be actually harming your plants and using more water than you need to. So of course that goes back to efficient irrigation and irrigating responsibly. Exactly. And Cindy and Don say perhaps the HOA should be held accountable and face fines. Um, 
The water restrictions apply to businesses and HOA common areas too, don't they? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. They I know in the past I've seen, well, you know where I live and not far from here is an apartment complex and their sprinklers were going full blast like 10 o'clock in the morning one day and they had been running for a while because there was a lot of puddles on the ground and half the sprinklers were broken and they just had little mini volcanoes. I'm thinking uh -huh. like, I may or may not. I may or may not at one time have been going through a drive-through of a fast food place, picking up my food from the person in the window while on the phone reporting <laughs> that <laughs> in the middle of the day, because <laughs> that goes back to a corporation, and you know it's sometimes difficult to trace. And I know the frustration. Believe me, I have a neighbor who thinks that 24/7 is the time to be watering. And I know the frustration because our code enforcement is only, you know, can only do so much with 180,000 people in this county. But they're out there, believe me, I hear from the people who have been caught, you know, by them. So they're doing the best that they can do. And we're, you know, we're preaching to the choir, the people who watch this. I'm sure these are all water conserving type. <laughs> people but we understand your frustration but it's the rainy season hasn't quite gotten into the pattern yet because i told you it would be father's day before it's in the pattern of every afternoon but it's coming and each of those rains put down a couple inches of water like you said yeah yeah and after that starts there's there's no need for running your irrigation multiple times a week or at the wrong times a day um you need to seriously think about switching it off or checking that rain shutoff device to make sure that it's working correctly and if it does rain that day your irrigation won't go on that night because you don't need it it's a waste of water waste of money waste of a lot of things and i know indeed restricted communities they don't recognize this but there is nothing wrong with a landscape that uh, mirrors the seasons and mirrors you know Hey, it's the dry season. Hey, now it's the wet season. You know, that's just part of nature. Oh, sure. Almost, almost all of my neighborhood was brown. Well, except for a few neighbors who ran their sprinklers a lot. But they're brand new to the state. They probably just don't know. And the rain started. And now the whole neighborhood's greened up. And everybody's yeah. going to be out there cutting their grass. So Yeah. Even the right-of-ways are green that were very, very brown. Yeah, yeah. That's what the hay and grass will do. <laughs> Give it some rain and it'll pop right back up. Okay. Anybody has any last minute questions? If you want to go ahead and throw them in the comment box there, let me go ahead and share Lily's email also. If anybody has any further questions for her about maybe what day you're allowed to irrigate on and the times, or if you have questions about how come my water bill has gone through the roof? It's probably has to do with the irrigation. Right. That's the biggest contributor to your water bill. And I, we did have one question also from a gentleman wanting to know why, um, if, if he promised to put down half an inch each time, why can't he go two days instead of our one day a week ordinance? And really the answer is, 180,000 people. That's the answer. And, you know, the, the ordinance has to be enforceable. It has to be something you can measure or see. 
So if he were the only person in the county, sure, we would trust him to do that. But unfortunately, you know, he's not. And we have a lot of, well, you know, we have a lot of people to juggle and they're all taking from the same place. They're all taking from the aquifer. And um, the one day a week, this system also ensures that there's not too much pressure on the aquifer, you know, being drawn out at any one time. That's another, you know, consideration. Mm-hmm. So it's just, you know, uh, an ordinance has to be enforceable. And when you're dealing with a large amount of people, you have to do what is the best way to handle that. So that's the easiest answer for that. Yeah. And we're not going back to twice a week irrigation. It'll never happen. Not not with no. all the 1,000 people a day, maybe more since COVID moving into Florida. Um, where I live up in the Royal Highlands, there's so many plans for so many new communities. And they're all going to be at my Glen Lakes Publix. And <laughs> but, you know, that's that's Florida. That's the price of living here. Everyone wants to do it. But, yeah, yeah, and those are new residents, you know, putting more demand on our limited water supplies and putting in lawns and putting in irrigation. So I can tell you the rules are only going to get stricter. They're not going to get looser. We're not going back to the good old days like 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up for today, if that's okay with you, Lily. Yes, I know you have plans. Yes, I do. We have plans. We're going uh, camping for this weekend, so need to start my day off. That's fabulous. I'm going to be doing in a little bit, um, I'm going to be starting a series uh, that will show every so often. It's going to be pre-recorded on um, Florida Friendly Landscape and Community Connections and interviewing different people um, within our community who, you know, we all kind of work together and how it all flows together and relates back to Florida friendly landscaping. So when I'm done here, I'll be doing an interview with uh, Hernando County Mosquito Control. So Maybe you'll interview me one day. Maybe, but it seems like Maybe. they interview each other every day. So. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll be I'll be at the end of the list. <laughs> okay, buddy, you have a great day also up there in Tallahassee and everybody else. And we are planning on being here again next Thursday, same day, same yeah. time, same place. I won't have a chance to go ahead and put the um, event and the links up probably until about Sunday-ish. So um, until then, everybody take care and enjoy the beautiful weather we're having. And we'll see you again next week. And oh, wait, Joelle, if you, can you put my email up again? If you want to email me that question, that might have to be forwarded to um, someone above me. <laughs> Okay, sure. If you have any questions about water or wells or uh, water conservation, just email Lily. There's her email and she can help you out or point you in the right direction within the utilities department. Yeah, and if you're referring to a well that is just for irrigation purposes, um, we have several of those in the county that are grandfathered in, but I don't see them being um, permitted for in the future. Yeah, I don't know much about that. I know that's you guys in Swift, Southwest Florida Water Management also that does all that. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Well, thanks again, everybody. We'll see you again next week. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.